Hi, all, and welcome back to Everybody Hurts Anesthesiology Clerkship Review. Alana and Denise here. Thanks for tuning back in for today's episode. For this episode, we're going to review the pathophysiology of pain pathways, how our bodies detect and integrate information about pain. Once again, we'd like to give a big thank you to Dr. Peter Choi, who is a UBC staff anesthesiologist, professor, and anesthesiology clerkship director for editing and reviewing this episode. Yeah, always thanks to Dr. Peter Choi for making this happen for us. Uh, So this is a great topic. I'm definitely really excited to review this because it's something you might get asked about in the OR. And more importantly, it's just generally really good to know. Uh, It helps you determine how pain happens in the body, where analgesic medications work, ultimately helps us make appropriate medication choices for preventing and treating pain. Awesome. So let's do an overview of our nociceptive pathways. If you're anything like me throughout basically all of clerkship, you might be thinking, we definitely had a lecture on this. And that might be as much as you remember. But that's okay. Hopefully this review will solidify that knowledge that you already have in the back of your mind. You may remember that the experience of pain involves the movement of pain signals from the periphery to the spinal cord, to the brainstem, then to the cortex. In addition, there are other signals that can travel from different parts of the brain to the spinal cord to modify the intensity of pain signals. So there are two pain pathways that talk to each other. The one that goes from the periphery to the cortex of the brain, which we call the afferent pathway, and the one that goes from the brain down to the spinal cord, which we call the efferent pathway. Other ways that we can describe these pathways are as ascending for the afferent pathway to describe the movement of signals from the distal periphery up to the CNS, and then descending for the efferent pathway to describe movement of signals from the brain down to the more distal location. If you're into mnemonics, you can use the mnemonic pain sucks terribly, crap, to remember the direction that the pain signal travels. So P for periphery, S for spinal cord, T for thalamus, and C for cortex. So during the rest of this podcast, we're going to go over the pathophysiology of pain, and then we'll give a brief overview of some methods of analgesia and how they target the pain pathways to reduce pain. You know, I feel like pain can be this sort of elusive and overwhelming topic. Is there any way to kind of conceptualize and break down pain transmission into pieces or steps? Absolutely. I totally agree. So you can think about pain pathways in four steps. We're going to go over all of them today. So the four steps, which again, you might remember these from your lectures, are transduction, transmission, modulation, and perception. Transduction and transmission are part of our ascending pathway, which is made up of primary, secondary, and tertiary afferent neurons while modulation is part of our descending pathway. And then lastly, perception happens in the cortex of the brain. Great. So maybe we can use an example. Let's say you step on a nail. How does that lead to pain? Okay, so the first step, transduction, refers to how a mechanical stimulus in the tissues becomes an electrical signal in the nerve, or basically how stepping on a nail becomes an action potential in the primary afferent neuron. So when you step on a nail, what is the first thing that happens? So there's obviously going to be tissue damage. Substances like prostaglandins are produced. Potassium, adenosine, and ATP are released from cells. 
and all of these substances go on to stimulate nociceptors, the technical term of pain receptors or receptors of harm from the Latin nocere. Nociceptors are housed in the primary afferent nerves. You may remember that there are two types of nerve fibers that carry pain signals. So we have our A-delta fibers, which are the large myelinated fibers responsible for acute sharp pain. Then we have our C fibers, which are the smaller unmyelinated fibers, responsible for slow onset, that kind of dull, achy, burning pain. Nociceptor stimulation leads to opening of voltage-gated ion channels on these fibers, which then allows sodium and calcium to enter the cytoplasm, leading to an action potential. Okay, so let's see if I understand this. Sounds like transduction is when your nociceptors respond to chemical stimuli to produce an action potential in the primary afferent neuron. And the type of pain you'll feel will depend on the nerve fiber that carries the pain signal. I think I got it. And what's next? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the next step is transmission, which is the propagation of the electrical signal from the nerves peripherally to the brain centrally along that afferent ascending pathway. So primary afferent neurons have their cell bodies in the dorsal root ganglion. For those of you who are trying to picture this in your head, the dorsal root ganglion is located lateral to the spinal cord near the dorsal or posterior aspect of the cord, and it connects the cord via the dorsal root. The primary afferent neurons travel via the dorsal root to synapse on the secondary afferent neuron in the ipsilateral dorsal horn. So that is on the same side in the spinal cord. Now, which spinal tract is going to carry pain signals to the brain? That's going to be our spinothalamic tract, which is easy to remember because it goes from the spine to the thalamus, hence the name spinothalamic. So that second order neuron will cross the spinal cord and then it will ascend in the contralateral spinothalamic tract. So the one on the opposite side to the primary afferent neuron. It'll then go up and it'll synapse on the tertiary afferent neuron in the thalamus. And then this tertiary neuron is the one that will finally go to the somatosensory cortex of the brain. All right, that's a lot of anatomy, but essentially transmission is propagation or relaying of that electrical signal in the primary, secondary, and tertiary neurons from the periphery to the brain. So the pain signal is sort of changing train routes at the spinal cord and the thalamus to travel up to the somatosensory cortex. Okay, so what about modulation? How does that play in? Yeah, so then modulation refers to the efferent descending pathway, which just as it sounds is involved in modulation or in other words, altering the pain signal as it travels from the periphery to the brain. So this is the pathway that starts in the brain, then travels down to talk to that ascending pathway we just reviewed. So say if we stepped on that nail, but at the same time, you happen to be running away from a bear. It would be helpful for your brain, of course, to be able to modulate that pain signal from that afferent pathway to turn it down so you can finish escaping the bear without getting distracted by pain. So various signals originating in the cortex and the brainstem nuclei travel through part of the midbrain called the periaqueductal gray area where an action potential is generated and then comes down through the reticular formation in the brainstem then down the spinal cord traveling in the dorsolateral fasciculus 
finally terminating on an interneuron near the connection between the primary and secondary neurons from the afferent pathway. That interneuron produces inhibitory signals, which act on the afferent pain signals to dampen them or turn them down. Awesome. So the modulating signal travels from the brain down a different descending pathway to an interneuron that lives near the synapse of the primary and secondary afferent neuron in the dorsal horn to inhibit pain signals from going up the ascending pathway. So it's like central station telling the train not to leave yet. And what is the last step? Yeah, exactly. And so lastly, we need to talk about perception. So, so far we've reviewed the hardwiring of our afferent and efferent pathways, which helps us understand nociception. But nociception does not equal pain. Pain happens when nociceptive signals are received by the brain and interpreted via this process called perception. During pain perception, a person becomes aware of the insult as it reaches consciousness, and an emotional or motor response is initiated. It's also worth mentioning then that when we talk about the physiological response to painful stimuli while someone is asleep under general anesthesia, so responses like tachycardia following a surgical incision, we're technically talking about the process of nociception and not pain because the patient is not awake and aware to experience pain. If the patient woke up during nociception, they would then perceive pain. So it's important to treat nociception even when perception is absent during general anesthesia. So that was a lot to go through. Let's summarize. So there are four parts of the pain pathway, transduction, transmission, modulation, and perception. During transduction, nociceptors are activated by chemical signals like prostaglandins, which produce an action potential in the primary afferent neuron. This then synapses on the secondary afferent neuron in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord, then travels to the brain on the contralateral side of the spinal cord in the spinothalamic tract. This synapses on the tertiary afferent neuron in the brain in the thalamus, then goes to the somatosensory cortex. Meanwhile, descending signals from the cortex and brainstem converge in the periaqueductal gray area to produce an action potential which travels down the spinal cord, activating an inhibitory interneuron that synapses onto the ascending pathway near the connection of the primary and secondary afferent neurons in order to dampen or turn down nociceptive signals. And all of this nociceptive information at the end of the day is processed in the brain during the process of perception, which leads to the experience of pain. Okay, so we'll continue using this subway analogy because I think it works really well. So the pain signal takes afferent neuron number one to the dorsal horn spinal cord station switches to the afferent neuron number two, which jumps tracks to the other side of the spinal cord before traveling up the spinothalamic tract to the thalamus station, where the signal switches to afferent neuron number three to travel to the somatosensory cortex central station, where it gets identified as pain. And if the brain needs to tell the train not to leave, it sends a signal by a different route through the periaqueductal gray area and the reticular formation to eventually reach the dorsal horn station, where the signal tells the pain signal not to leave. So pain sucks terribly crap for the periphery, spinal cord, thalamus, cortex, ascending route, and please get analgesia ready fast 
for the periaqueal gray area reticular formation descending route. Is that right? Uh, right. <laughs> now that we have those basics, how does this all apply clinically? Let's go over some of the analgesic medications and strategies that we might see on our anesthesiology clerkship rotations and how they apply to what we just talked about. First of all, what are some of the analgesic options that work on the afferent pathway? Yeah, so many of our common analgesic strategies target the afferent pathway or the ascending pathway in order to reduce nociceptive signaling to the brain. So as an example, at the site of the injury, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs like aspirin or ibuprofen block the synthesis of prostaglandins by blocking the COX-1 and COX-2 receptors, which helps reduce the amount of chemical stimulus acting on our nociceptors. Another example would be local anesthetics. So local anesthetics like lidocaine or bupivacaine are injected at a peripheral site. So for example, at the site where you pierced your foot with a nail. And they work by inhibiting nerve conduction right at the source by inhibiting voltage-gated sodium channels to stop that conduction um, of the primary afferent neuron right at the source so that it's not able to propagate a signal. And local anesthetics like lidocaine and bupivacaine, again, can also be used in other ways like in peripheral nerve blocks or plexus blocks to do the same thing, but just by blocking that afferent nerve a bit more proximally. Or they can be used in neuraxial anesthesia, like in epidurals or spinals, again, to block transmission at the level of the spinal cord. Okay, so how about the descending pathway? Are there any medications or interventions that target the dampening signal signals coming down from the brain? Yeah, so interestingly, the efferent pathway or that descending pathway is actually where a lot of our analgesic methods work, which I think is kind of less obvious as a learner. Like that's not really something that I think was as intuitive um, for me as a med student learning these things. So let's go over that. So lots of our non-pharmacological options for pain management, like biofeedback, education, laughter, or psychotherapy, all work in the cerebral cortex to reduce pain. Also, the placebo effect works in this way. And it's also thought that tricyclic antidepressants work in the cortex to promote that efferent pathway coming down and dampening the signals from the um, afferent pathway. Then as we work our way down, we have a number of medications that work in the brainstem as part of that descending pathway. So for example, opioids, which can get to the brainstem via rostral or upward spread if you're using a neuraxial method, or by crossing the blood-brain barrier in the blood when you give it via oral IM or IV routes. And alpha-1 agonists like dexmedetomidine or clonidine also work in the paraaqueductal gray area to promote dampening signals in the descending pathway. And now going all the way down to the dorsal horn in the spinal cord. So the highest concentration of antinociceptive opioid receptors live in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord. So this is why giving opioids neuraxially, like in a spinal or in an epidural, produces intense analgesia and also has the benefit of limiting the side effects of systemic opioids like respiratory depression and sedation. So the two main classes of medications used in our neuraxial anesthetics, opioids and local anesthetics, 
also exhibit their action largely on the dorsal horn, where the primary and secondary afferent neurons synapse. Great. So we have covered very broadly how some of our medications work to treat pain. Is there anything else we need to know? Yeah. So as always, it's a little more complicated than that, but we're all getting used to that as med students. So we should also talk briefly about our anti-hyperalgesic medications. So we've covered the fact that we have this descending pathway, which dampens or turns down the pain signals that are coming up. But similarly, you might be able to imagine there also exists a pro-nociceptive mechanism that can act to turn up the pain signal. So for example, some patients with chronic pain have this, where there's an imbalance and they have too much pro-nociceptive activity. And the best way to treat these patients is actually to try and reduce that amplifying signal rather than continuing to increase doses of medications that target our usual pain pathways. So some of the medications we use to dampen pronociceptive signals are NMDA antagonists like ketamine and gabapentinoids like gabapentin or pregabalin. Yeah, you'll see on your rotations that we often try to target multiple areas of the pain pathways using a combination of local, regional, neuraxial, or systemic administration of multiple different medications that have different mechanisms of actions, which can help work together to target pain pathways from various angles. It also reduces side effects of giving any one medication in one mode. Ultimately, it's important to remember that pain is actually much more complex than what we cover today and is influenced by many factors besides these physiologic pathways, such as psychological, social, cultural, and spiritual aspects that all together produce the concept of total pain and what we experience. Okay, guys, so that's all we have for you today. We hope this overview of pain pathways was helpful and we wish you happy studying and good luck on your rotations. And remember, be kind, be keen, and everything else is a bonus. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.